Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Monday, September 19th, and this is People Every Day. Hello, everyone. It's me, Janine Rubenstein. That somber music you just heard there was Sleep, Deary Sleep, played by the Queen's Royal Piper this morning. If you recall, just a few short months ago, Queen Elizabeth II was honored all across London and the United Kingdom as the nation celebrated her 70 years on the throne with a platinum jubilee. But today, multitudes in the UK and the world said their last goodbye to their queen, a history-making monarch the likes the world will never see again. Her three-hour state funeral full of symbolism, emotion, and complicated family dynamics put on display was unlike anything we've seen in modern times. To start, her coffin, made of oak and brass fittings with lead lining, was carried into Westminster Abbey by eight soldiers. To end, Queen Elizabeth's coffin made its way through the streets of London, followed by her son, King Charles, her grandson, Prince William, and the rest of the royal family, all passing by her longtime residence, Buckingham Palace, before reaching her final resting place at St. George's Chapel, the same place we all watched Prince Harry and Meghan say I do just a few years prior. That said, a lot happened in between. It was a day full of pomp and pageantry, executed with moving, melancholic precision. And joining me now to discuss it all and frame today's place in history is someone who spent her career covering the royal family, People's Editorial Director of Society and Culture, Michelle Talbert. Michelle, what a day. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me, Janine. Well, just as someone who has done this for so long, has covered the Queen, and has been heading our coverage here at People throughout this entire situation, ordeal, uh, history-making moment, uh, what was the first thought you had waking up this morning, preparing to be covering the end of it all? This was a morning that felt like being a part of history. And I think everyone who both potentially billions of people watched on television, listened on the radio, and then millions lined up in person, Janine, in London to see with their own eyes this spectacle of of magistry and pageantry and history. And then, of course, for those actually present inside the Abbey, this was a, a day that no one will forget. So let's set that scene. You talk about millions of mourners, but how many invited? Who, who was there? So we've heard so much about the security detail, all of that. So uh, what stood out to you in terms of the setting and the people who gathered? Well, you know, it's almost impossible, Janine, with all of this, to to be hyperbolic, to overstate the scope of what unfolded today. Um, This was considered the largest gathering of world leaders in modern history. So when you ask who was there, it's almost like who was not there. All of the major leaders from around the world. I think it's important to note, we won't see that again 
at this level. This is not something that will be replicated, and, and there are several reasons for that, but primarily her reign will never be replicated. Queen Elizabeth sat on the throne for 70 years. That's something we're not going to see again in any of our lifetimes, and she was a bridge to the past, to the British Empire, to World War II all the way through the COVID pandemic. And again, that was very unique to this woman who is being memorialized and mourned today. And that is why this is something that is unlike anything that has happened before and unlike anything that will happen again. Absolutely. This is only, you know, mere minutes ago that we're, we're talking about all of this. But what did you hear about the room? We see the pictures of President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden sitting down inside among all of these other dignitaries. What was that space like and, and why was it so significant? Let's start with the family, shall we? Yes, President Biden was there. Again, world leaders, people like Prince Albert and Princess Charlene of Monaco, other royal families from around the globe. But I think that for me, most striking was seeing the members of the Queen's family. And, and really, Janine, again, most notably for me, was seeing Prince George, now the heir even closer to the throne behind his father, Prince William, the new Prince of Wales. He's nine years old. And his sister, Princess Charlotte, who is only seven years old. And seeing them in the procession as it moved directly into the abbey was a, a really stunning moment. These are the great grandchildren of the queen, not just the grandchildren. But, you know, up until this point in the morning, this, this official 10-day period of mourning, we hadn't seen the, any of the great-grandchildren participating in this way. And then, in addition, we do have someone who just came out of the funeral, spoke with our chief foreign correspondent, Simon Perry. And she said she was a guest of one of 2,000 guests inside the Abbey her name is Dr. Denise Schaefer. She's the president of the Royal College of Nursing. And as you say, this just happened moments ago. And she said the service was incredibly moving and incredibly sad. And she said there were, people were so respectful and completely calm. You could feel the sadness in the air. I'm almost at a loss for words. Wow. And that beautiful choir, those little kids that uh, you just don't see little kids looking like that anymore. That was something that stuck out to me. Speaking of children, I want to go back to that moment about, you know, Princess Charlotte and Prince George. They have their own little nods to the Queen, particularly Charlotte, right? Well, we do know that the royal family uses fashion jewelry style to message and symbolically in a way that really no no one else on earth celebrities included don't do. So to start with Charlotte, Janine, you know, we saw her for the first time in a hat and matching dress, almost like a mini me of her mother, Princess Kate, now known as Princess Catherine, the Princess of Wales. And there was something really special on top of that. In addition, she was wearing a small gold and diamond brooch in the shape of a horseshoe um, pinned to her coat. And again, we know the queen throughout her very long reign used those brooches that she would wear to, to send messages. And in this case, the message is quite clear, isn't it? Her great-grandmother, of course, 
loved horses, loved racing, equestrian sports. So um, it was really a, a, a quite a sweet and touching tribute. And in fact, we've learned, Janine, that the brooch itself was a gift from the queen. So even more meaningful. We see Catherine, I keep wanting to call her Kate, but she does want to be known as Catherine. So Catherine um, was wearing both a necklace, pearl necklace, and pearl earrings that once belonged to the queen. And we saw her also yesterday's meeting with foreign dignitaries wearing that three-strand pearl necklace that was such an iconic part of the queen's wardrobe. I think it's very telling, Janine, that now as future queen consort, Catherine is wearing that necklace. I mean, talk about a direct parallel, you know, queen and queen. Yeah. And then Meghan, Duchess of Sussex, was wearing pearl earrings that had been a gift of the queen. So many, many tributes to the queen as, as a mother, as a grandmother, as a grandmother-in-law. Absolutely. And we are definitely going to dive into all things Harry and Meghan. But let's talk about this service. There were emotions. Yeah. Just something that you, you don't see very often with the royal family. And... Uh, that was surprising. Yes. I mean, you know, they're, of course, they're famous for their stiff upper lip. They're, they're famous for their keep calm and carry on stoicism. And we did see a breakdown of that today. In particular, Prince Edward, he's the queen's youngest son, and his wife, Sophie, the Countess of Wessex, were quite openly emotional, both of them crying really in a way we had not seen. I was struck by King Charles as he made his way during the very deliberate and slow procession into the Abbey, he looked quite moved in a way we typically don't see. So there was there was a range of, of emotions across the board. Although there was a great deal of sadness, there was also a certain degree of, of celebration and certainly a, appreciation for the Queen. And for me, one of the highlights, Janine, was hearing the eulogy by... Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Can Canterbury. And he's a royal family friend. He knows these, he knows these family members on a personal level. And of course, he knows them as, as a faith leader. And I, I think it's important to note for your listeners, Janine, that the Queen was a woman of great faith, tremendous Christian faith, perhaps the pillar of her life. And that was certainly sewn into today's service. The Archbishop referenced it. And he also paid tribute to her abundant life and loving service. He said she was a joyful presence to so many. And that, I thought, really resonated for me because this is a somber occasion, of course. But this was also a woman who, for many, not for all around the world, certainly, but for many, was a, was a light. And he, he brought that into his eulogy today. And then when you look at just the things that, the, the trappings, I will say, of her life and her station, that was on full display there. So take me into the, the things that you noticed. What, of course, the note that was left, we have to get there, but just the diamonds and scepters and the, all of those things. It almost doesn't look real. Does it? It's it's almost like I think I've said this before. It's almost like the the, the grandest, most elaborate Hollywood studio could not dream up props like these. The imperial state crown was once again on display atop the coffin. It is normally under lock and key at the Tower of London, and it is priceless. It was just cleaned this morning after sitting in public view in plain air as the Queen 
laid in state. They cleaned it just before so it would glisten and sparkle anew. The scepter that the queen held at her coronation, these are the symbols, Janine, of the queen's power. And that is why they were placed atop her coffin. And you mentioned the card. It was a touching tribute, personal note from King Charles. It was in his own handwriting, sitting atop the wreath that he himself helped design. It was sustainable. The palace made a note, Janine, that in keeping with King Charles's you know, environmental ethos. It was a sustainably sourced wreath of flowers. And the card atop in his writing said, in loving and devoted memory, Charles R. And people may wonder about the last initial R. Queen Elizabeth would sign her name Elizabeth R. And the R stood for Regina, which is a feminine form of queen monarch the R for Charles, either it, depending on which usage you're using, stands for Rex or Regent, which is the male form for the monarch. Mm. Oh, wow. And then it, it kind of harkens back to that note. And this is the first I'd ever heard of, like, you know, notes being left. But when Queen Elizabeth left one for her husband on his coffin. That's right, she did. And also, I, I'm sure many people will recall the note famously left addressed to mummy atop Princess Diana's coffin oh, 25 yes. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was in Prince Harry's own handwriting. So many, many parallels to the past, uh, many emotions tied into that. So speaking of that reef, there's been a lot made of of how it came to be. It, it's sustainable. It, it It was picked by King Charles himself. What more details do we have there of the flowers? Yes, King Charles had a lot of input, Janine. There were several significant flowers and plants included, among them rosemary, which symbolizes remembrance, myrtle, which is the symbol of a happy marriage, And it was cut from the very same plant that was grown and used um, to add a sprig of myrtle to the queen's own wedding bouquet in 1947. There was also English oak, which symbolizes the strength of love, garden roses, touches of white to match the royal standard, that flag that was draped over her coffin. And indeed, it was sustainably sourced, and this palace made of point of noting that it was placed in a nest of English moss and oak branches without the use of floral foam. So every detail was absolutely considered in creating that wreath. Everyone, we will be right back with more of our conversation with Michelle Tauber on The Queen. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At the top of this show, we played a bit of the bagpipes that I know were symbolic as well. So take us into that and how um, everyone, you know, kind of wrapped things up inside the Abbey. Oh, the bagpipes were such an emotional moment, Janine, because we know that the Queen loved bagpipes. And in fact, she had her own personal piper, Scott Muffin, who we spoke with for this week's People magazine cover story. And he would play the bagpipes outside her window every morning. So to see him play in the Abbey, the final notes before her coffin was recessed out of that majestic medieval church had such meaning. In the in the cover story this week, Janine, the piper shared this amazing, very telling story about playing the pipes for the queen at a barbecue one night where there were 22 royal family members, in fact, present. It was at Balmoral in Scotland where they, they have a small biting insect called midges there, and the, the midges were biting. And I just think this tells so much about the queen's personality. He hadn't told this story anywhere else. He told us this story that the queen said to him, you know, why aren't the midge biting you tonight? And he joked, I have a secret weapon. I laced myself internally with gin. <laughs> and she loved a good joke. She loves someone with a sense of humor. And she loved a bit of irreverence, which probably will surprise people. And her response to that was not slack-jawed horror. It was to give him a punch in the arm. And he played it up in front of the entire 22 members of the royal family and said, you know, ouch, the queen just punched me. And Scott told us that she just started laughing when he said that. And then everyone else did too. So I really loved that moment. And seeing him there today, I, I thought, oh, wow, you know, this is someone we just spoke with. And here he is in this place of honor. It spoke so much to what high esteem he was held in by the queen. Oh, wow. And then they are off. And the, the procession was one thing, but just upon leaving, what did that look like for those who weren't able to get up and watch what that looked like and where they all headed? It was a rigorous endeavor for the royal family to undertake. You can only imagine, Janine, that after these 10 days of public mourning, to make that march more than a mile in public view from Westminster Abbey to Buckingham Palace must have been grueling. The crowd was very supportive of this family who is in deep mourning. But at the same time, the, the rigors of this military, really, procession were, again, on plain view for everyone. It was very interesting to watch all the key players. We saw, of course, the Queen's children led by King Charles in front. We saw Prince William, now the heir, the direct heir behind his father, next, and uh, along with Prince Harry. Their cousin, Peter Phillips, he walked between William and Harry in the same way he did at Prince Philip's funeral a year ago. Yeah. He is the elder child, the only son of Princess Anne. And then we saw the children again, George 9, Charlotte 7, riding in a car behind with both Queen Camilla and Princess Catherine and 
Megan, Duchess of Sussex, also rode by car. And then just the endless clip-clop of the horse's hooves, the sound of the soldier's boots as they walked that long, the famous Mall in London. It was a spectacle for the eyes, the ears. That There was a, the tolling of Big Ben, which was muffled by a leather sheath, which is a sign of respect for the monarch. It was a lot to take in, Janine, a lot. Well, let's talk about Harry and Meghan. There's a lot, of course, as always, being made of their presence, what can be read into their presence given, you know, just some of the contention that we know still exists and now being back in the fold, of course, as family for this big moment. First things first, going back into the Abbey where they were seated, what have we heard about why they were in the second row as opposed to in the first row with family, even family that aren't senior working royals? You know, this seating is something that has been dissected at every one of these events since Meghan and Harry made the choice to move to California. I honestly felt, Janine, that Harry did have pride of place in this procession. I think the most painful thing for me is Harry out of uniform rather than the seating. I mean, and I say that because his military service was quite distinguished. He did do two tours of Afghanistan, served 10 years in the British Army as a captain. And I think it was really hard to see him, especially for those who had seen him on Saturday, he was given an an exception and he was allowed to wear his dress military uniform. And I was very moved by seeing him back in uniform on Saturday as he stood guard with his fellow first cousins out beside the Queen's coffin. William was on one end, Harry on the other. And to see him back in uniform, it just felt right. Right. And then to see him out of it today and along with Andrew, it's painful. There are so many considerations here. We now see George and Charlotte sitting in the front row. Let me put it this way, Janine. Yeah. There is also a very, very clear hierarchy to this family. And George and Charlotte do indeed rank higher on that hierarchy than Harry and then Harry's children. And I know we've touched on this in the past, but As as foreign as that is to American listeners, that that hierarchy is very real in this family and does come to bear in situations like these. Well, let's talk about Megan. She just looked strikingly beautiful, as we know Megan to be. What have we heard about her on this day? One thing that I was thinking today, Janine, watching Megan, is when we have interviewed Megan's friends and those who are closest to her in the past, they have made a point of saying how much Megan relies on her own face. And many people may not realize this, but she, in fact, is quietly someone who attends church and finds great solace in that, in in being within a church and the service. So I was thinking that today, watching her there. I was thinking, for someone of faith, this is a very heavy moment, hearing the hymns, the choir that you mentioned earlier, the many, many Bible verses that were shared today. And I think, as always, her poise was fully on display today. I think we should pause for a moment on what it must have been like for her as an American to be a witness to history in this way. You know, even, let's say, Catherine, who certainly had much, much longer, more than a decade as a member of this family, and really almost 20 years since she began dating William back in their college days, 
But even if you took that away, you know, Catherine's longstanding association with this family and its traditions and the pomp and the pageantry, Catherine grew up in England where the queen was monarch her entire childhood, her entire life. That is not the case for Meghan. <laughs> Meghan grew up in Los Angeles. <laughs> so I really cannot imagine how overwhelming that would have been for her today to be a part of this as someone for whom this is completely foreign experience. Absolutely. Well, we got that little bit of news that they had been invited and then disinvited. I don't, you, you have to correct me if this is wrong or not, to a meeting with the dignitaries who are in town. What have we been able to glean about that? Again, this is where there is sort of this clear line between family and between the institution. Harry is a valued member of this family, Harry and Meghan. Speaking earlier, Janine, about the seating arrangements, I mean, he was seated directly behind his father, the king, which is no small matter to be to be seated in that place of prominence. Now, in terms of what we saw on Sunday, the reception that you're mentioning, that's where the institution comes into play. That was not a family occasion. That was basically what we could describe in simple terms as, uh, you know, a business occasion. Um, the family business is the monarchy, and the business of the monarchy involves, in times such as these, greeting world leaders. And Harry is no longer in the family business. So it would stand to reason he and Meghan wouldn't be at an occasion like that. But I understand where you know, it causes confusion because of those overlapping threads between family and business. It's, it's all tied up together for this family. And it seems like they're still working out those details even now, going on almost three years later. Yeah, it's complicated, Janine. And I think, as you say, we have really seen that on display all week. I think we all always anticipated this would be a difficult time, in particular for Meghan and Harry. They, again, made the choice to leave Harry's home of the UK and move to Meghan's home in the United States. And that, as you know, created a massive chasm in this family. And now seeing them all reunited so publicly, there's no question that they have put on a united front in public but behind the scenes, yes, these are real people, real emotions, real pain. Yeah. Well, we're speaking about, you know, them not being in the room at that particular event. But there's another person, a little person, who wasn't in the room today that Twitter would like to know about. <laughs> I'm seeing this all over social media. Where was little Prince Louis? So, Janine, as a mom, he's only four. And he did put on quite a show at the Queen's Jubilee back in June. It was, he was, he was fully four. <laughs> Today, he would have been in the care, likely, of, of his nanny. Her name is Maria Borello. It would have been too, too much to ask of a four-year-old to sit for that hour-long service. We saw George and Charlotte even conferring between, I thought it was very cute, the two siblings whispering to each other at a few points during the service, George talking to William, Charlotte talking to Catherine. And I think that at nine and seven, that was really at the limit of what they could have done. And certainly Louis would have been a real gamble, Janine. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> to say the least. Yes. Oh, wow. And so what now, Michelle? Like, what do we know about what is next? It's not 
completely over, right? I feel like there will still kind of be a pall over London and the family for a little while now. But um, they moved on to some other events, the Queen's internment that is taking place today. Um, What's in the immediate aftermath? And then what do we have to look forward when it comes to the family? Yes, the Queen is being interred at Windsor Castle in St. George's Chapel. That's actually where Meghan and Harry were married. And there will be a public service there that will be able to be viewed either live or later. There will also be a private family moment there, of course. I think that it's worth reminding people that this woman who had a historic reign, 70 years, in the end of her life, her last wish is to be buried in a really humble way, um, not with a grand sculpture or statue of herself or, you know, in the, in the town square, so to speak, but alongside her very beloved mother, also named Elizabeth, father, King George VI, her sister, Princess Margaret, and of course, the love of her life, Prince Philip, her husband of 73 years. If the queen was a guidepost for many people around the world, those four people were the guideposts for the queen. And I think the fact that she's returning to her beginnings as Lilibet, Lilibet was her childhood nickname. She and her mom and dad and Margaret called themselves We Four when they were a young family. And she's back as a member of We Four and alongside Philip. And it makes me a little emotional to think about because that woman who was such as an unwavering monarch for so long was ultimately a daughter and a wife. And it's it's touching. Wow, Michelle. Oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much for just taking the time out. I know you guys listening, this woman has been working around the clock doing press on this. She is our queen of royal coverage here, and she has so kindly made the time to take us all through it. So, Michelle, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. Well, before we end things today, I wanted to share with you this beautiful quote that was a personal favorite of Queen Elizabeth's that was read today during her funeral service. It's an Australian Aboriginal proverb, quote, we are all visitors to this time, this place. We are just passing through. Our purpose here is to observe, to learn, to grow, to love, and then we return home. I just think it's such a beautiful sentiment that really stuck with me, and I hope it resonates with you, too. Well, that is our show for today. I'd also like to give a shout-out to the entire Royals team here at People. Michelle, along with Aaron Hill, Simon Perry, Stephanie Petit, and additional reporters on the ground in the UK, thank you all so much for all of the prolific coverage you've provided over the past few weeks. You can find their work and more Royal Family coverage in the magazine and on our website site at people.com. And guys, thank you for tuning in today. I'll talk to you again tomorrow on People Every Day. <laughs>